Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Hey, you just pressed play. That means you missed 34 minutes of us talking about Werewolf by Night, that new Marvel thing that was kind of crazy for a lot of people. And four minutes of Hocus Pocus 2. That's right. Four minutes of Hocus Pocus 2. (laughs) So because Dan wasn't in that episode, so we got to share some stuff. If you want to check that out, you just have to pay uh, $3 a month on our Patreon. You get access to a bunch of really cool content, uh, usually 30 to 40 to 50 minutes of content uh, at the beginning of every episode. And uh, we talk about various topics, movie topics, film industry stuff, expectations, or just experiences. I think the previous episode was me going to see the Avatar remaster with what I officially heard was the variable frame rate. That's what I was complaining about. The fact that it changed from like smooth, like I guess 60 frames, I don't know, I'm guessing 48 frames, and then back to like 24. Very frustrating, but we talk about that in the Hocus Pocus episode and a lot of other stuff, but you can get that, yeah, for $3 a month. There's a lot of other perks that I typically just labor on and talk about, but I will not because you'll hear them throughout the episode as you continue listening with a little mini call to action. So we can get into our proper episode now. Um, this is like the, definitely not the final Halloween movie. Let's just be real here. I mean, uh, we'll get into the specifics of this. It might be the final in this particular series. Canon series. But. Yeah. Cause uh, how are, <laughs> how is Blumhouse going to update their like intro card? And it has Michael Myers at the beginning of it. And then they're like, Halloween ends. Finally, it's over. <laughs> like, no, it's not over. Um, we know this guy's not gone. He's this, he, we know he's uh, sticking around. Uh, but. R- random aside, but I would love it if they decided to like do like Halloween H two H two O two Halloween Resurrection two H two one yeah is its own separate. Just make it even harder. Oh, it's for, like the uh, Ocean's Eleven series. Yeah, <laughs> just keep adding numbers. Oh, so then funny. yeah, Halloween seven. Like what? It's because there's seven Michael Myers in this one. Uh, <laughs> or it's a crossover between the uh, Rob Zombie. All the canons come together for their universal, for their, for their, like, <laughs> Some of the sling ring goes, I want to see Michael Myers. <laughs> and he opens and different Michael's <laughs> <laughs> The the most terrifying thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah. And you can pick whichever uh, of Mike Myers' characters you want to see fight. Trick or treat. Melon Farmer. (laughs) (laughs) He just shows up in every single one. Busta Rhymes is back. (laughs) He's back for revenge. Uh, See, no one could quit this franchise. It's just so fun. And even 
we're going to talk about this oh and I'll give like minor spoilers, but this movie is so bonkers that it's actually pretty funny, but it's, it's it, so It started shocking. off very funny for me and then it got less funny as I went along because the movie just keeps going. It's it's kind of long. Yeah. It's, it's like an hour and 55. Hours. Hour 55. I, it's clear it was cut down too because there's conversations that are so short and then like, but they probably would have made the movie better if they were in it. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> I don't know how much work you do to make this movie better, but, but like, there, there yeah. was a point in the movie where my wife was like, I feel like we're just watching like <laughs> twilight it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so true <laughs> oh my gosh uh are you team Corey or team michael <laughs> which one are you it's yeah uh, but more importantly being a finale to the halloween reunion tr- trilogy part quad- quadrilogy thing it is the sequel to our halloween kills episode from last oh year <laughs> Which is, which is more important. I feel um, very, I simultaneously feel very vindicated in my opinion because one of your big things was like, it'll all wrap up in the trilogy, Dan. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I kept thinking of that. <laughs> you were I was like, I, and I think you were, I think you were, I think we can safely say that that prediction is not bad. It's out. totally wrong. But, yeah. <laughs> but I will say, it weirdly retroactively makes me appreciate Halloween Kills more in certain ways because yeah. at least that felt like it completely goes off the rails and the ways in which it goes off the rails unfortunately set up things in this movie that makes it so bad but gosh darn it at least michael byers is in the movie killing people yeah but you could super cut halloween kills and it would just be like a 40 minute halloween movie you could see you can make that a disney plus special presentation (laughs) (laughs) my favorite disney princess michael myers (laughs) i'm not gonna go back and be like well halloween kills is actually really great but i will say like well at least that felt like a halloween movie at least a good one there's people sit there and i've been seeing people say like this movie's so different there weirdly this movie tries ideas that they tried in previous halloween films like the whole like there's a new killer that was specifically set up in one of the halloween sequels i think it was halloween four or five yeah four or five do something like that and uh i haven't watched them i have them or like was it um, was it jason Jason part five has like a new Jason about part five, spirit of Jason <laughs> or even um, I think Jason goes to hell kind of does it too. Well, uh, where Jason goes to hell tries to, <laughs> that one tries to be like, we're doing something new and it's like, you just did five again. It's just, like it's, it's just in hell. <laughs> well, what if Jason was a word monster that possessed bodies and that turned into Jason when possessed hockey mask and all. Yeah, like, it doesn't. It's, well, we'll definitely have to introduce it, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's also well, like it's, this movie that's so ridiculous. So let's, what. Well, we have so much to get into from basically the <laughs> beginning of the movie to what goes on. Why don't Why don't you get us started and kind of kind of get this plane off off the tarmac? Because we are just like we're basically podcasting as uh, airplane like uh, f- uh, pilots talking over the radio, and everyone in the plane the is like, "Can we take off?" And babies, <laughs> can we crying. take off, please? <laughs> um, so Halloween ends is the 2022. Uh, Sequel to one of Melvin's favorite films, Halloween Kills. It's <laughs> my favorite, but I like. I think it's a fun movie. <laughs> um, it is directed by David Gordon Green as the previous trilogy. It also lists Dan McBride as a writer, uh, as with the previous trilogy. It also has writing credits from Paul Brad Logan and Chris Bernier. Uh, it also lists like a million producers, including Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter. And I have no idea how much this kind of feels, and at times almost like a Jamie Lee Curtis like vehicle vanity project yeah but i don't want to see vanity project in like a very negative connotation i think she has a very clear idea of what these movies are about that i don't think necessarily mesh with what everyone else wants them to be about 
Um, it is the 13th overall installment in the Halloween franchise. It is the quote unquote final film of this particular trilogy. And it's marketing itself as the end of all Halloween movies. But this is like the third or fourth one of these to do that. Yeah, so it's not whatever. Gonna, give it a year and they'll announce like the next one. Yeah, well, we'll Probably see. Probably James Jude Courtney will come back because I think he's very good as Michael. Like he gets the physical performance down. He but. does. I, I I did like his performance as Michael. Um, this mm-hmm. was. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so Halloween ends uh, picks up kind of right where the last one l- l- ended, but like in a weird way where like they don't address some of the very weird things that happen. Cause if you remember Halloween kills ends with Michael Myers becoming the inv- invincible embodiment of evil itself, just by kind being of. shot, yes. stabbed and horribly murdered by everyone in the town. And then he escapes uh, as he often, but does. also after the whole town had ganged up to chase an innocent man <laughs> to his suicide, um, which they then don't do anything with either. <laughs> He's turning us into monsters. Oh, it's so uh, funny. It's so bad. <laughs> Uh, this movie picks up Hollywood night, uh, 2019, um, where we see a new character named Corey Cunningham, get used to him because he's actually the main character of the film. Yeah. Uh, he's babysitting a young boy and, um, the, they're watching the movie, the thing, which is just a giant, like mind warp because it's John Carpenter, a filmmaker in this universe as well. Did he make a Halloween film? Does he not make Halloween films? I know it's kind of a homage to Halloween three where they're watching, Halloween in the middle of that movie or Halloween where they're watching the thing from outer space. Oh yeah. 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 Um, it's a good point, but he didn't make that movie. So I, anyway, uh, but it makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I know it's just a goofy thing for people to, to point and go, I know the thing, but also on top of these weird connections, Corey's character, um, I saw, I haven't seen the movie they're referencing here, but is very similar to a character from the movie, Christine. And his last name apparently is the same as one of the characters there. Yeah. And his 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 character development is very similar to a character from the movie Christine. Against again, I have not seen it. But yeah, it's um there's a lot of weird things that like if someone huh. if, if Jason Bloom goes so far as to say this is a, a an original movie, it's not. It's like it's taking <laughs> so many ideas from other stuff and putting it there, which is fine. I think that's totally cool. But um yeah, anyways, is, I just that's weird. Um, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like lot. how the the house of um wax remake with paris hilton is actually a remake of the movie tourist trap it just has the name house of wax that's so strange hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right i'm just stopping by to say you know if you enjoy the show you can always subscribe and write a review for cinematic doctrine there's itunes pod chaser basically anywhere you listen You can give us a shout-out with a thumbs-up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that, too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook Group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted. 
I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to expand cinematic doctrine? You know, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as three dollars a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention you get to tell us what to do? That's right. Each month, you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later. This all, like, it's as this is unfolding, my wife and I are talking and going, like, is Michael, like, is he, they start doing the Michael Myers thing, where like, he, he gets up to do something else, he leaves a knife somewhere, uh, and then Michael Myers, like, music cues start playing, and the kid isn't anywhere, the front door's open, and where she's like, you think Michael's gonna finally break his rule and kill a kid? You think that's what they're gonna do? And I'm like, ah. He's already killed a kid. Well, like... But you mean on screen? Yeah. Um, okay. But then anyway, so they're playing. The kid locks. Turns out he's just messing with Corey. Locks Corey in the attic. Corey is trying to open the door, and he kicks the door open, and he kicks the kid so hard that he <laughs> flies over the railing, down like multiple flights of stairs, and just dies. And he dies in a very kind of graphic kind of way as the parents are coming back home and see their kid plummet to his death. And our whole theater freaked out. <laughs> it was a packed theater, by the way. It was totally and completely packed. And everyone just freaked out. It caught me off guard. I thought it was just going to come rolling down the steps. But nope. <laughs> I don't know how it couldn't catch you off guard. Like, who was like, you know what's going to happen? Well, I didn't think he was going <laughs> to. I I suspected he was going to, like, fall down the steps and be injured or something. Yeah. And I thought the scene would continue and then Michael shows up or something. But no, it was just like the parents come home. They open the door. They ask where the son is. And then the son shows up, but not in the way they thought. Yeah. <laughs> and, I yeah. thought he would. I thought because he was holding a knife, he'd kick the door open and he would, like, hit the kid in the face and the kid would be like visibly injured, and then like it would cause right. some sort of yes. like, confusion. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. What sets in motion is that for the rest of the film, Corey is like an outsider because he's the guy that killed a ba- like a small child while babysitting. And you're about forty minutes in the movie where it's just about Jamie Lee Curtis is working on her novel, um, which is about which is very funny. Yes, because her it's basically is- a comedy scene. It's like let him inside of us backspace let it inside of us let evil inside of us like it is like a comedy scene and just a reminder (laughs) these two writers and director did comedy before so it's sort of like silly like i don't know i thought that was really funny but yeah at first it's like she's reading the voiceover and (laughs) some of the lines were causing my wife and i to groan and then it cuts that it's like it's part of jamie lee curtis's like laurie strode's book and it's like see the movie writers aren't bad writers. The character in the movie is a clunky writer. <laughs> uh, and so, like, she runs into Corey. She pities him for reasons that completely befuddle me. Her, like, daughter is, like, attracted to Corey. I, yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember what the family relationship The daughter does. was Judy Greer. The granddaughter is, is Allison. Granddaughter. Sorry. Yeah. But for reasons that completely, like, elude me. Like, because a bunch of bullies... Because Corey is an adult that gets bullied by high school students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's one of the most strangely, like, uh, clearly some executive was like, we want one of every current teen in a friend group. And so all of these, like, these four wildly different teenagers were all friends together, despite having very nothing, progressive, like, yes. seemingly common as friends. To the point where every time one of, like, the jock character does something, the other character's like, don't do that. Why are you doing that? It's yes, like, why are you yeah, hanging the out with them? right. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, yeah. But they bully him, so he gets injured, and then Laurie Strode shows up, uh, slashes the kid's tires, and then he goes to the hospital where he meets her granddaughter, and they immediately are smitten with each other, for which makes no sense, because, like, 
He's covered in blood. He's a known like kid killer and he displays no visible charisma, but she just immediately likes him for some reason. And yeah, but he's get, good looking, Dan. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's in the eye. I of can the fix him, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also like I can fix him kind of thing. <laughs> he's just misunderstood. It turns out she's completely wrong. Um, and they were like 40 minutes in the movie. I clocked it. I paused the movie. 40 minutes in is the first time we actually see Michael Myers because you just forget that this is a Halloween movie at a certain point. And you're just like constantly waiting for something to happen. And it's it's really funny because it just keeps being this like rom-com with Halloween as a backdrop where there's scenes where Corey takes Laurie Strode's granddaughter on a motorcycle and they're just driving at night. And it's like and she's embracing vibing. it from behind. They're, they're vibing. so vibing. And like what sounds like music from the Twilight movies is playing. Like, like that like song. atmospheric indie, awesome. indie pop music. <laughs> and we're just like, what is this movie? When does the movie start? When right. does Halloween happen? Where is Michael? Where right. is Michael? Every time Michael's on screen, other characters should look around and say, where is Michael? And finally, um, the teen bullies come back to keep bullying him and they throw him off a bridge and he like he gets dragged into the sewers underground like it's a Stephen King novel. Um, and he comes face to face with Michael Myers and they look inside Jesus' eyes and he perceives that empty evil stare. That's been a kind of thing in the Halloween films. John Carpenter said that what inspired him to write the first film was he visited a psychiatric hospital and he met like a teen like killer and he looked into his eyes and he saw absolutely nothing. He just saw emptiness and evil or whatever. And that's kind of the thought behind the Michael Myers character. And I guess he sees the same thing in this Corey character. And then the rest of the film is just Corey becoming like a new Michael Myers. And so they try to do a thing where it's like the town creates monsters. People are mad at Laurie Strode because she keeps goading Michael Myers. It's, on. it's not a um, clever script. There's just nope. scenes where characters say the, what the movie's about. One of which is like, is evil made or is it born? And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, um, everyone has yeah. soliloquies. I will say this. I saw a great tweet before I saw the movie. Someone tweeted, they're like Halloween ends is if like David Lynch got to make a Halloween movie and he just forgot to put Michael Myers in it. And this really feels like a strange episode, a Halloween themed episode of Twin Peaks, where this town, Haddonfield, is filled with nothing but really strange, over-exaggerated characters who, as my wife pointed out, all have different accents. Everyone sounds like they're from a different part of the country. Oh, really? That's so strange. I didn't notice that. Yeah, like one character will have a southern accent, another character will have like a Minnesota accent. And then like Laurie Strode has no accent. Like everyone talks in like weird, like Laurie Strode has protagonist accent. (laughs) Yes. She has that, what is it called? Like the general Atlantic, whatever, the one they teach you in like radio school or whatever. Yeah. Um, everyone is exaggerated and strange. Like Laurie Strode walks out of (laughs) walks out of a grocery store and someone's like, Did you buy something good? Did you buy something good? You make you happy? And it's just like, like, like who is this person? And yeah. it's like the relative of, of a character from the last movie who you think is dead, but isn't. Um, it's just filled with these strange people and it just keeps going. And then there's just Corey just killing people. He starts trying to emulate Michael Myers. And then it, it, it's kind of going in one direction where you're like, I guess he's going to become the new Michael. And then the whole thing with Halloween is that it's evil creates more evil. And there's a cycle of violence and we all can't stop it. And then spoilers there's a weird scene at the end of the movie where he tries to kill Laurie Strode. He fails. Laurie doesn't kill him. Then he just kills himself. And then Michael Myers comes back and then he has a showdown with Laurie Strode because you got to have that in your Halloween movie. And then she actually succeeds in killing him. And then in what is a good final scene? <laughs> like, I think this is a good scene 
it's just if you stuck it onto a different movie, it might work better. Where the whole town comes together for a funeral procession for Michael, where they like time to stop a car, drive to a graveyard, <laughs> yeah. throw him into a trash yeah. compactor yeah. 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 where he explodes like a grape. And it's so funny. I love the theater. It's so funny. <laughs> and we're not touching upon all of the weird scenes. There's this weird scene with a radio DJ. There's all these weird scenes where Corey is like trying to assert himself and try to be a killer. He has like a weird like mentor bromance thing with Michael where he drags, he gets another person who's like antagonizing down the sewers and he teams with Michael where Michael's like his boxing coach kind of like behind him, like in it while they work together to stab this guy to death. And then Michael gets power from stabbing the guy more and more. Just so many strange scenes. And I have described every scene Michael Myers is in. He is in one scene where he looks in Corey's eyes. He is in another scene where they kill someone in the sewer then he has a scene where he and Corey invade someone's house and then he shows up at the end of the movie. This is a two-hour film. And there's also a scene where Corey beats him up and takes his mask. Yes, yes. Which is, which well, I guess we'll get into how we feel about this movie in a minute, but but yeah, there's that too. That's it. And that's a kind of interesting because like the camera stand stays in one spot and you kind of see them like walking back and forth across an opening. There's some stuff where like the tunnel of where leading to the sewers kind of looks kind of like a pupil. Um, so there's occasionally some interesting idea. There's actually like a handful of interesting ideas that they, that are in this movie somewhere and where you're like, okay, a movie where like, obviously there'd be copycat killers that happens in real life. So like, what about a Michael Myers copycat killer or a movie examining like the psyche of Haddonfield after Michael Myers just keeps showing up? Um, as someone tweeted, they're like the Halloween ends trailer was ruined for me. Cause after the end trailer ended, one guy just yelled, yo, what's this dude's problem with this lady? You know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what would this town be? And there's little bits of that where everyone's like, uh, we just actually don't like Laurie Strode either because for whatever reason, she keeps bringing Michael back into our lives. Um, but that's all, like, buried under what is a 90-minute film about this guy, Corey, and this girl he's seeing. And then an additional, like, 20 minutes, 25 minutes um, being the actual finale between Laurie Strode and, and Michael Myers. Or really just Michael Myers because... I don't really care for the Lori character. They were a babysitter. That was it. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. And the the entire point of Halloween... and. Uh, I, I I admire when franchises really try and break out of the mold. In this case, less so because Halloween Kills was already kind of going kind of off the rails. And this is just full, like the train is just going through the woods right now. There are no more rails. Um, it's like the entire thing that makes Halloween work as a premise, as a movie, and as an like undying cultural touchstone is that Laurie Strode is nobody. She is a normal person who another very normal person, like just a human being, who's just the guy who's by your trash cans when you take your trash out at night, just decide to try and kill her. It's a terrifying premise because it could literally happen to anyone. All the people involved are relatively normal, except that Michael Myers is just someone without like a conscience and every Halloween franchise. I don't know what it is. All every single series of uh, every canon continuity just inevitably tries to make Michael something more or tries to make Lori something more. And at least with Rob Zombie's films, it starts off very heightened. So it kind of makes sense when Halloween 2 is like a surreal, almost like a surrealist art film. 
In this case, the 2018 Halloween, I really liked that. I remember you being kind of more eh. mild on it kind of eh. because it's just it's just Halloween again. But that did what these movies have been trying to do already. Like you have a true crime podcast. We see Lori is just like traumatized the experience and can never let go. Like she is a doomsday prepper now. Like that says more about like her level, like the whole concept of like trauma and the cyclical nature of violence and how these events changes forever. Like that said more about that already. Halloween kills like goes so far in the direction that like, you know, it becomes ridiculous. And this is just something Crazy. so strange. Like it is, it, it's, I, you, you kind of have to see it for yourself just to experience how strange it is. But it also like the novelty for me wore off about an hour in where then there's another hour left and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like, how is this still a movie? How is this still going? Like, and how has Michael not been in this movie almost at all? It's, and I'm not like a weird franchise person where like, I get mad when you change anything and like, you gotta have Michael. Cause you gotta have Michael, but like Michael is also kind of the central figure of the film. Like he's charismatic as a killer. Not because he has any personality, but because he's interesting to watch. And so, yeah, like from his mannerisms, the way he right. operates, this thought process. But like, what I'm saying is like, he is an ever present force in this movie. Like, the movie is still kind of about him because Corey's basically trying to emulate him. All of the characters are who they are because of Michael Myers. So, like, they keep drawing attention to the fact that he's not around, which just kind of makes the whole thing not work. And I, you know, my wife and I were talking about this. We're like, we think the movie would have been greatly improved if instead of like <laughs> Corey kicking a kid down the stairs, like if the opening of the movie had instead like actually connected him and Michael in some way. Yes. I thought they were going to have like a reveal later where like he didn't <laughs> do it. Michael did. But then oh. Michael like left him. Uh, and that would have been the initial scene of when Corey at some point interacts with Allison and said, did Michael ever not kill you? Like, did he ever leave you? Uh, I thought it would have gone to, done a flashback where it turns out that was Michael the whole time. Um, and he just left Corey and then Corey like couldn't because when Corey is being put into the um, into the police car in the beginning of the movie, I'm pretty sure he's saying it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, he's saying like, it was so a, like, yeah, it was an accident or something. And so that would have been like an interesting kind of just connection to like, like the movie isn't clever, but it, it really thinks it is like the movie really thinks it's doing something interesting. It thinks it is, which is frustrating. Yeah. Cause that, that kind of makes it smug, um, but it's really like not. And what's frustrating is there's a lot of things I like about the movie, but I don't think it's good, but it's very entertaining. <laughs> um, I actually, I, I wonder if the pace was aff affecting you because you're watching it at home. Because for I'm guessing I think I think that's what you did right like you yeah it. because okay. uh, it simultaneously released on Peacock right um, which is kind of its own thing like I know some people really don't like that at all but like the movie's doing pretty well theatrically it's already made back its budget Peacock has a really good selection by the way on for horror yes. just like last year it's like it's really impressive I don't know if anyone's checked it out but it is something I definitely recommend um, it's kind of blowing my mind how good it is. Yeah, I I actually found the pacing of the film really good. I, I actually felt like this movie was like a success for editing in terms of getting you like, like I felt it was so quick, like watching the movie from beginning to end, despite the content. Because um, this is also like, just like the last one, very brutal when, when it gets to the violent stuff. And yet, um, they only really show like two or three kills and like two of the- One of them is Michael. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. I, I laughed. I was the only one in the theater, but I laughed at that. I thought it was so funny because it's just so like, 
over well, the first top. they like very viciously like cut him up basically but yeah he's like already dying and like yeah so he's like slashing him up and it's just pinned like, oh, down gosh. to a kitchen bar and like it's it's so funny because like the death him being eviscerated like in the machine is ceremonial but like his <laughs> actual fight scene in the kitchen is not like it's so funny i actually thought that scene was pretty good i thought the fight was pretty entertaining she for, like, and like as he's like dying on the table he like holds her hand yeah and like she and like said she this got my wife like i think it disgusted her because it was so over the top but like he's already got his neck cut uh and it's like so graphic <laughs> he's got both of his hands like pinned down his one hand was choking Lori, and then at some point it was knocked down and then Lori grabs his hand and just like cuts his arm <laughs> and it's just like it's just it's almost like it's it's just so much it's so funny it's some of the most like gratuitous violence that's like so like steadied and focused um like props to the people who worked on um like basically all the fake bodies to be destroyed in this movie yeah i mean that stuff looks great it's just like again like i i feel like they're trying to make me feel some level of sympathy for michael i don't i don't think that like i didn't or even like because it's like she's he's literally like holding her hand like you would i hold, think they're trying to be like reverential to yeah, okay re- reverential is probably Laurie Strode stuff which is yeah. stupid because no that's so dumb like <laughs> well, yeah because it's very stupid it, they're trying to take again a very normal premise and like retroactively make these things seem like big epic moments. It's the whole problem with Ghostbusters Afterlife, where you take these things that aren't important and you turn them into some sort of reverential thing, it, it, and it's just very dumb. Well, I feel like I feel like they did already. Again, they already did this. I feel like effectively enough in the 2018 one, where he's just in the house. And like the Strode family has come together to kill Michael Myers together. Like Judy, Judy Greer is still there and not dead, you know? Yes. And they like the, technically succeed. And then the next two movies happen and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why? Like, again, like, uh, uh, it's just so it is like, very strange. It's, it's very strange, strange and thing. frustrating. And I just don't get why. Like, I don't know what they think they're accomplishing with these movies. Like, I think they're, I think they think they're saying something very poignant and deep about the nature of evil and the way that evil infects other people and the way violence just continues. Course, but to, they're not. Yeah. And not no, at all. No, 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 no. And Cause even like the, the reason I like Halloween kills is I feel like Michael Myers as this, as the central figure kind of refutes everything. All the other characters are saying <laughs> as they're trying to figure out Michael, what is it? What is there's about Michael's just like, just like for no reason, just going house to house murdering people. Yeah. And they're like, Michael's the embodiment of evil. And Michael's, a, and there's even an interaction where Laurie is on the hospital bed and um, Will Patton's on the other one. And Laurie keeps saying these things that are all like protagonist <laughs> syndrome. And Will Patton just says, like, it's not about you, Laurie. He doesn't care about you. Like, and like to me, that was like confirmation that at least the script felt like it knew all these things. Because, like, yeah, it's not. It's not about the town. It's not about evil. Michael just kills people, and that's what he's <laughs> going to keep doing. And that's why, at the end, when he wins, even though it's annoying that he's, like, a superhuman, to me, I interpret it as him being, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I just kill people. <laughs> like, you could, like, you, you could, you didn't defeat me because Fish narratively. Swim, Michael got a kill, you know? Yeah, like, narratively, <laughs> you think you defeated me because you're defeating evil. But narratively, that's not true. That's why Michael kills everybody at the end. So, like, I don't know. To me, like, that all... That's that's why that movie works to me. This one, it then takes the things that everyone said from the, the second one and tries to carry that narrative thread. And it gets in the way of cool ideas. I think this movie has a lot of interesting ideas. I like 
the character of Corey. I liked his setup. In is- yeah, in isolation, that stuff isn't necessarily bad. Right. Like, I like the idea of a character four years later after having accidentally killed a child, like still alive, like in this town. And like in another movie, that character gets killed and they're the sin they committed gets them killed in the horror movie, right? Like that's how horror movies do. Someone's mean. That's their sin. Now they get killed. You don't feel bad. But in this one, then the movie tries to make you feel for him. And like, I think that was daring. (laughs) I thought that was interesting and I thought it worked. And I liked the first 30 minutes of the movie, but it, there was, there was, I can't remember which particular interaction it was between him and Allison where they're like talking. I think it might've been when they're at the diner and she's like, I'm going to burn <laughs> down scene, the world. scene is so weird. Yeah. And then he goes like, I'll give you the matches or something. <laughs> and like immediately I went, all right, this movie's over. And like it's, it's done. <laughs> yeah. But like all the stuff before, like Allison being into him for no reason, other than he's attractive is fine. Them like kind of working things out. She gives her reasons, which are silly. He gives his reasons, which are misogynistic. <laughs> Like, I think all that's really like it was like Blue Valentine. Like it was like Ryan Gosling sitting on a truck going, yeah, but, you know, if a girl wants a guy, she doesn't have to do much work. But if a guy wants a girl, he's got to do everything. <laughs> you can just kill one kid and then no one talks to you. It's yeah, like, it's, like, it's oh so funny. But like all of that, I like was so weird. And like the weird romance of like a two, essentially two potential killers. Cause at the end of the first, the 2018 one, they kind of zoom up on the knife that Allison's holding. So they kind of set up this they idea of like maybe that. they, <laughs> which like, I kind of like the motif of like anybody can kill, anybody can do bad things. That's kind of cool. But like this idea of the two of them having a stupidly weird relationship would have been interesting. But then like after he decides to go kill people, they just stop being like together. Like all of their scenes are separated. And it's just really weird to me. Enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners, so don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. I even like I even like that he goes, I killed someone, and she's just kind of okay with it. Like, I thought that was so strange. Well, I thought but she like, was thinking he was just talking about... Right. Kid. I thought that too. Yeah. He doesn't dis- explain it. And then they go to the house to further like, okay, he's not telling the truth. But like, I, I just, I thought all oh, that was interesting. And I like the old, old man, Michael stuff was cool. The fact that he's weak <laughs> and old is interesting because it's also refuting like, he's not the embodiment of evil. He's just a guy. Yeah, which- <laughs> like he's barely recovered. He's probably got like gangrene. Like he's just old and dying. And then the fact that like someone described it as he kills someone and levels up. Like I like <laughs> that stuff. Like that's, that all is so weird. And, but then like the movie's just kind of like so full of itself. Everything with Laurie Strode is annoying even in the theater, like when she's doing the fake killing herself, like someone in my theater just out loud, oh, we're doing this now, huh? I'm just <laughs> so frustrated with the movie. <laughs> like, uh. And it was just like, it was constantly this film that's just annoying. But it also, for me, I liked all the really weird, bizarre stuff. And then also the violence is so rough that it's actually kind of like, it wasn't offensive to me. And like the movie, I think wants to be cynical, but it's not like smile was this year's cynical movie. Uh, but like this movie trying to be like, if everyone can be evil, we can all be evil. Um, <laughs> like, it's just stupid. It's so stupid that it doesn't actually mean anything. So it doesn't bother me. 
But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I will say, it's I was a actually, weird movie. It's, it's very weird. weird. I was more, I was probably engaged for longer. Like, I think I was on, on board is the wrong word, but I was more just like, like, you know, just like, you're just like, I just, where is this going? You I was know? never and, disengaged. I want to make that yeah. clear. I was always in it because I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, the <laughs> diner scene. So weird. The diner scene kind of comic capsules. I, in some ways, my problem with the movie where like, they're talking, she's like, I hate this town. And my head is like, First off, why does Laurie Strode still live here? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> She's why celebrating is anyone... Halloween. That really got me. I was like, why do you like Halloween? You should hate Halloween. She's putting up fake spiders, like taking stuff out of pumpkins. She's saying very weird like things. Yeah, nobody acts normal. Like, like Laurie no, yeah, Strode. No, not a single person's normal in the movie. Well, I, I, okay. So one of the things I like about these three <laughs> movies is that the char- we talked about this in Halloween Kills, that all of the extras have personality and character no one acts normal but like everyone has personality and character and i really liked how alive everybody felt um because i like that haddonfield at this point you could almost like this version you could almost draw a map of them where people live how they interact with each other it just felt so alive which is so much nicer to basically not just even the the blockbuster cgi mess scene or the the Mandalorian esque dome that they do now, but like with Disney, but even the indie scene has, I think, a problem now where the people are having so much difficulty creating setting and place. And I just really like that these movies had all that. But yeah, it's also like not real. Like everything's so heightened and strange and bizarre, yeah, and, and it's just it's very off putting. I think for a lot of people, but for me, like that stuff, I really enjoyed. I I like that this place feels so real and and like like if one. Like, I could almost see a sequel by a smarter writer where Michael kills everyone who works at a grocery store, and then everyone in the next movie, that was our only grocery store. What are we going to do for food? Like, like, Evil dies tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Evil dines tonight. It's it's just like, that's how, that's that's what I like. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Strode, grandson of Laurie Strode. (laughs) You want a unique dining. Wouldn't that be, that'd be interesting, like, one of her, like, grandchildren tries to cash in yeah because they don't care like they're just so so distanced from it it's like kids who like make jokes about 9-11 at this point because it's like i didn't live during that i wasn't even i'm 17 like i wasn't (laughs) even born when that happened yeah yeah um yeah but like the diners do that in the first movie actually in 2018 yes where they compare michael myers killing to school shootings which again It's, it might be a little heavy handed, but that said way more about what they're trying to talk about than anything in either of these two than Halloween kills or Halloween ends. Um, but yeah, like I think the the Corey and I cannot remember the character's name, but Lori's granddaughter, like Allison, Allison, that dynamic was so strange that it, it kept me engaged because I was just like, is this just the whole movie? Are, are we is the movie going to end with them running away together? Like I was just trying to like play it like we're like they actually kill someone together. Like and scream then, in reverse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and then like the diner scene really encapsulates what's weird about it to me cuz like there's a strange thing where that guy comes over and he's trying to talk to them um which I think was her cop dad like an ex-boyfriend no or it's something. like a, it I think it was boyfriend cuz she looks so young Andy Manichek just looks so young and then he looks like 38 like balding like he just looks like an old guy but i think they imply that they dated and that's why okay, it's yeah. so disorienting or, i yeah. also had difficulty but, but anyway, it's it's a guy that's annoying them so and then like <laughs> they're like talking about how much they hate the town he's like an incel fit he has like an incel he fit. screams yeah. at the guy in the middle of a diner like oh yeah. and she he sits down and in a normal movie this is when she's like you know what this guy seems unstable i don't know if i like this guy either but then she's like 
let's do it. Let's burn the town down. And I was like, why do you like this guy? Yeah. I don't understand. Yes, it's so it, weird. It completely like that's the moment where I was just like, this woman is also weird. And I don't get their relationship at all. Like it it disconnected me from them to the point where I was no longer even kind of oddly invested in seeing where they go as a couple. Uh, and then at the end of the film, when he like kills himself specifically so that like because he hears that she's walking up the stairs. So it looks like Lori killed him. And then she's like, I can't believe that you killed my boyfriend. I know, she doesn't even try. She doesn't even go, he killed himself. Like, he literally... <laughs> she doesn't... She goes, no, it's not... Like, yeah, he, he, she doesn't yes, say, like... It's so dumb. It, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, again, like, the only reason... The way for the plot to go on is if they don't have a normal human conversation. But then she just gets over it. She just, like... She's later, she's like, you're right, mom. <laughs> like, okay, like, I guess <laughs> that conflict so is resolved. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. And did you like the mo- the, the visual motif that the implication is that, that Allison is like Laurie's protege and Corey is Michael's protege? So at some point... Remember, it was um, Laurie looks into the house and sees the two of them go upstairs because they're going to sleep with each other. And then there's a wide shot zooming away and Michael's standing yes. behind the tree watching Laurie. <laughs> and watching I, was, I said, upstairs. I hope they keep 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 pulling out. I want more tats people to watch each other. <laughs> it's so funny. It's <laughs> I like, want to pull out the cop that's kind of like Laurie's watching Michael and it pulls out further, you know. I don't um we we every now and then mention like other people we watch or listen to but like I have desperate for the red letter media episode where they talk about this cuz just <laughs> yesterday Jay put up his ranking for all 13 movies and this one is at number 4. <laughs> it is like it's above I think 2018 I think it or right below I, I can't so remember. I have seen that from more than one person or somebody I- actually really likes it but it's really funny like i i get it because like the movie is funny it is silly it's got the violence that you're looking for interesting it's extremely interesting (laughs) um and like i said i i name dropped a bunch of ideas i like that wasn't even all of them i but it is so like frustrating there's there's a level of ambition here that you do kind of have to admire why wasn't this the trilogy like that's the weird thing like this is i've seen the criticism that your your finale to the Laurie Strode family thing is sidelined to have a new character come in, be the protagonist for 40 minutes. Like what's going on? Like, why are you doing that? And like, it's not like this was called the Haddonfield trilogy, maybe in retrospective when they released the scream factory trilogy, like it'll be called that. I can can already hear it. Melvin. I can already hear that people go, well, I don't know if you're aware, but John Carpenter always intended Halloween to be an anthology series. That's why Halloween three is the way it is. Like he never wanted the series to be about Michael Myers. And in some ways this is the truest. And like, I, again, his name is as a producer. I don't know how much input he had in the story, which yeah, I li- also like the idea of Halloween, not necessarily being a franchise, just solely focused on Michael, but this is the wrong way to try to pivot. You cannot market your entire movie around the cumulative, like, showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers and then pull a bait and switch. Like I, I think you're right. I think if they'd started out kind of on this note and then the trilogy kept progressing into like a more yes experimental, whatever, I think that would have worked much better than stacking the weirdest one of these on at the end. And I guarantee you, I, I would, if I was a betting man, I'd put money on it in a couple years, this movie is going to have a cult following it's going yes. to have a lot of retroactive reappraisals. I'm feeling the exact same way. Yeah. 
It has a good mood. I I think this movie is more of a mood piece than than an actual like yes, film. Yes, and the music is actually really good. I like the music. The music is really yeah. good. Part of that Carpenter, part of that licensed. I thought both of them were good. Like I said, I like the way the town feels. I I love the way these movies look. All three of them. I think they are really well color corrected. And although I don't like the weird, I can't tell if it's a digital zoom, as in in post production they zoomed into something, or if. The direct, uh, I think his name is Michael Simmons, the, the the director of photography. I really like the way the movie looks and feels, and the way the camera moves with the film. So, like, I don't. There's so much stuff that I like about the the movie as a movie, like that I really enjoy about all these. And I unfortunately didn't rewatch 2018 um, in prep for this, but it's not like it would have mattered. But, um, <laughs> but. I mean, let's be you did real. do your monthly Halloween Kills rewatch, though. Yeah, <laughs> to prepare um, for this. Yeah, I did watch the extended, by the way, uh, a couple months ago. I thought it was fine, but it made sense that they cut some stuff. But oh, okay. And they initially wanted to shoot them back to back. They so. did. I, I'm pretty sure they did shoot them back to back. I, I yeah, don't think so this don't one should be shot post COVID or after. I think it was. I mean, with this many extras and that much stuff going on, I, I can't imagine this was a post COVID film. But that's true. Yeah, like I, I, I think it's like. Someone, I think someone else has pointed this out. Like part of why so many of these movies feels kind of like they exist in empty voids is because of COVID. Like, yes, they really that's been a big thing that. lately. And then studios realized they could save a lot of money doing that, so they just kept doing it that way. Yeah, and it's frustrating because I don't know. I, I I think these movies feel good to watch, even though the content of them is very frustrating and, and abrasive. But it's a great example of like failing at one of the core things you need to make a movie good, which is I don't think these characters are any good. Like. Like mm-hmm. Michael Myers's portrayal is good, but, but like because he has no character. <laughs> because yeah, because and then yeah, it's it, and that's kind of cheating because this is Michael Myers as a character is one I'm already predisposed to liking because I'm familiar mm-hmm. with him, and I don't like what they've done with Laurie Strode post the 2018 one, um, and even then there's kind of some iffy stuff in that. Like and so like yeah, I'm watching a rom com about two characters that I don't like or care about at all, and the townsfolk are interesting and they're quirky and they're amusing and they do feel more real in a sense than a lot of other films just because they're so memorable but like unlike something like twin peaks which you know is a tv show so you get to kind of like you become like fond of these quirky oddballs because you actually get to know like the the interior lives that they have um which i think i think halloween kills also did kind of a weirdly good job of that where they, sh- they they've specifically spent like five minutes with all these people before Michael kills them. So you feel bad yes. when he killed them. Uh, God rest, God rest the souls of big John, little John, big John who, little who are John, sorely yeah. missed at this movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, like, I, yeah. like, cause the thing is like the quirky townsfolk in Halloween kills. Some of them just felt like good, nice people. Like this movie, everyone, it has more in common with the Rob zombie film in that regard where everyone kind of feels gross and like mean, and right. like, which is kind of like oddly kind of the point because there's the opening montage where you see all the other like things <laughs> my, that happen in Halloween. First, my wife keeps laughing every time she goes, they have an opening montage of people reacting to the Michael Myers return. And it's just a woman hangs herself in her front yard. <laughs> like, it's really and, terrible stuff, but it's, but it's just like, so oh, funny. Look at how he's infected the town. You yeah, know? it's and, so stupid. It's so stupid. It's, it's like, I guess, but, but if that was the case, then shouldn't there be more than people than just Corey running on stabbing people? Like that would be kind of an interesting movie, right? Where multiple copycat killers are going to kill each other. Right. It turns out that like the couple, it turns out the doctor and the nurse aren't coming together to like sleep with each other, but they're actually going to do like a 
MGK drink your own blood thing or something stupid, <laughs> like <laughs> or just like terrible. Like for those who don't gonna... understand, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox apparently drink each other's blood. <laughs> for those who are just very <laughs> yeah. confused by that sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, right after they dance on a table, like an office table. But no, they're going to like, yeah, they were maybe going to go off and kill somebody, too. And Corey was following them around. So it turns out like Corey stops. Them. And then but, he becomes like an antihero because he's killing. He's like Dexter. He's killing all these other killers, which I yeah. mean, that would have also been bad. But and maybe he's like monologuing them to Michael about how it doesn't feel right because he's not killing innocents. He's killing people that are bad. And then Michael finally says, <laughs> everyone's bad. I'm a Calvinist or something stupid. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like, he sits I, down and like, let me let me go to the book of Romans with you real quick. <laughs> I this is I'm just helping people die to themselves. And then it, he got saved between Halloween kills and Halloween ends. To be clear, that's <laughs> not implying he was a Christian the whole time. <laughs> um, I but I to to your sentiment that this could become like one people like from watching it and leaving. I have constantly been thinking like like even trying to put it on my rank list, which I've seen. 67 movies from this year it's like i have it pretty low but i'm like this is way better than moonshot this is might be better than moon knight in terms of entertainment like this is because i am so far away from moon knight so this does have that problem well it's it's a pick your poison thing right like are you picking between something that's like fully competent like they made they had a story they executed it they did all stuff they want to do versus something that's like extremely memorable and there's a few standout elements that you really like you know? Right. Because like I like I don't know, like I when we watch movies, we now watch them in ways that aren't like typical. So I'm watching it in like such a broad way of like setting, tone, theme, risk, weird performances, weird ideas, kills, stuff like that. Because like I, it, it is funny to essentially like a scene that has the gall to just like wide shot a guy getting his head crushed into a radio machine. And then like Michael looks for scissors cuts off a guy's tongue <laughs> just the radio keeps playing and like it just stays there for so long that the tongue is flipping and i just start laughing that's not michael though right that's Corey. right it's not michael it's the other guy which also i like that like the movie convinced me that it could be anybody wearing that mask and i'm cool with it i'm like all right i guess like i'm fine like it doesn't change how i enjoy like the fun of like the comeuppance of bad people getting killed that kind of thing but um <laughs> like very dangerous sentences i'm saying on a podcast but it's um for a horror slasher it's fun um and so yeah i i think i might warm up to this movie but it wasn't like Halloween kills where like i would had a really fun time watching that and i thought it was a blast and i obviously watched it in a way that no one else did but like um because this one yeah it's just it's so strange but yeah old man michael stuff was good and The ending of him getting crushed is great. Hey, hey, hey. We have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie, as well as The Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. Everything you think will happen just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's yes. Yeah. Even when you're like on board, it goes, nope, and it flips you over off the board and and does something else. It's it's very strange. Like I was expecting like pet Michael, like Corey goes and kills people and there's more kills and Michael follows him after they do the initial doctor kill, um, which I was frustrated that they like they wasted a kill by having him do the same kill he did in Halloween one. Because it's like, yeah, I've already seen that. Why yeah. are you doing that? That that was my wife's complaint is that even most of the kills aren't particularly interesting. 
So yeah, like, like you're doing some of them were off screen, which was really stupid. I don't know if that was editing choice, like because people felt the other one was too graphic. <laughs> they need to make more room for all the stuff people want, like Corey, right, like Corey <laughs> and, and rom com. Yeah. Um, which n- nothing against Rowan Campbell, he does a good job. I think he's good in this movie. His performance um, is completely fine. Like, yeah, I don't good. want. Yeah, it's not I, about him, but yeah. yeah, like most of the some of the kills are off screen. Um, like one of the girls gets killed off screen. Uh, another character is found in a car already dead. Um, one character is being killed behind another while she's exploring the house. And you kind of see like his shoes twitching, um, but you don't really see him. Uh, then another kill that you see is the same one from the first movie. So you don't get anything creative out of that. Um, and I want to be clear, like sometimes it's not just like, oh, I want to watch people die gratuitously, but it's like how they are done. So Halloween kills when he's testing out the knives, like that is not just a graphic kill and it's exciting in that way, but it's also telling us something about what's happening with the character. And so like there's ways in which these things can work. Plus it's also kills or release attention, just suspense intention. Um, So to just not have them is like really weird. And so like, I didn't even feel like this film succeeded in like satisfying that itch of going to see the movie. And then like, it would just have weird violence. That's like just so bizarre, like the tongue cutting and then, Man, this movie even has, I think it was Allison who called into the radio to be like, why are you exploiting Laurie Strode? Don't you know when you stare into the void, the void stares back Oh my gosh, they actually did the Nietzsche (laughs) quote. I was so like, oh my gosh. No, it's like, yeah, when you're hunting monsters, be careful about to become a monster yourself. So funny. It's so like, like hey, so... do you get it? Do you get what we're going for? Yeah, when Laurie, she's she's talking to Allison. She goes, I saw his eyes. He let the evil into him. <laughs> uh, there's that great scene where he's like, she looks out a window. He's standing like Michael Myers did. Because it's that's what happens so when you let evil in. You start acting like Michael Myers. A uh, little known theology fact. So um, funny. And, and then she goes out and she's just like, is transfixed by him. Cause she's like, I can sense it. I can sense the evil out of him. And it's just like, and I guess she abducts and, him, drugs him and abducts him, takes him to the house where, where, where the kid died. And then like, she does the Michael thing where she vanishes when he's not looking. Like, it's so funny. It's, it's like a parody of a slasher film without being like, but having the slasher stuff of being violent. It's just weird. It kind of feels almost like, those direct-to-video horror sequels you get in like the 80s and 90s where someone had the rights to a franchise uh, but they wanted to make a sequel in as budget-friendly way possible and it was like made by people who didn't necessarily like get it like it it's it's far more ambitious than any of those types of movies but it has that kind of sense of like it's kind of a sequel but like it doesn't really give you any of the things that you want out of a sequel yes yeah because there are things that i wanted that it doesn't just have hollywood (laughs) ends carries on specifically things I didn't like from Halloween Kills. And then it abandoned the things I thought were kind of interesting from Halloween Kills. Like the idea of Michael, like as much as I hate it, like, like it creates this like weird thing where it's like in that movie, Michael's invincible in this movie. He's extremely vulnerable. And like, I just don't, I felt like I never got a full explanation for why that was like, you can infer they some burned things. down his house and all he wanted to do was stand at the window, but then yeah. his house is gone. Where's he going to go? Like, that would be interesting. Like I, why? I don't know why these people still live in Haddonfield. I could not get over that. Why doesn't Lori move? She hates this town. This town hates her. Everyone there seems miserable. Why do they insist on this is like the camp crystal Lake thing, but times a hundred because things like keep happening. And apparently evil is like, a contagious virus that goes around infecting people. 
I just don't understand. I don't get, I just don't get it. I get, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I just don't get this movie, Melvin. Maybe I just, <laughs> I, I, I can't think deeply enough. That's about what it. I think about you and Halloween Kills, <laughs> but not about Halloween. <laughs> you fool. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, I like, if you pitch this to me on an elevator, I think I'd probably be oddly on board. Like, what if we made a Halloween movie, but it's about some guy who's like, is trying to be mentored by Michael Byers and he's falling in love with a girl and doesn't realize it. Like on paper, that seems really interesting to me. But in execution, like the the their relationship is so empty, and this is the core thing that the movie's about for the most part. It's 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 a grave miscalculation. I think it's also marketing. I think if this wasn't marketed as the final film, yes, like, yes. obviously it will not be. Let's all just and let's just recognize it. If it wasn't marketed as the final film. And we sort of had the Marvel content drip where we knew there was going to be more. Then, like, having this movie might have been more tolerable. And we probably would step away going, kind of like I did with Halloween Kills, where it's like, just wait for the next one. Like, we can always look forward to the next one. But, like, this one has this film, kind of ends it, and then, like, kills Michael at the end. Totally kills him. Grinds him up. Which is, like, about time, right? Like, our, our problem with the last one is, like, why didn't anyone just run him over? Come on. And we, if we don't see him explode like that guy in RoboCop when you run him over, like then I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and um, but so like if we were just waiting for another one, then this could have been interesting because then you're like, okay, the precedent of other killers and this mask being around is interesting. Why they didn't toss the mask in there, I don't know. But we don't have the expectation of the next one, at least being in the same way. And like, it's not like you needed a the next one to have Laurie Strode in it, it could just be other people in the town. These people clearly can create characters. Corey is an, like a Corey is a character. Like, so they can do that. Like, I don't know. Like, is this just the problem where like every reboot horror franchise needs to have the side characters, which aren't necessary. Cause, cause like I respect this movie for doing almost like kind of what we haven't seen in horror reboot trilogies or movies where it's kind of like a sequel with just new characters and new stuff. Like to me, I think if you didn't market it this way, the, the, the way it had been marketed, which is the big final uh, Laurie Strode slash Michael thing, and we expected it more like a Friday the 13th part five or part four, where new characters are introduced, the old characters are killed off in the beginning, and now we're just going to have new stuff. Because part five just takes one of the characters from part four and just continues their story. And then part six doesn't, do the same characters at all it's just its own thing um which to me which like, everyone okay. loved <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> freddy's dead is funny it's really fu- it's not what i expected uh but every time i think about it i go ah that movie's pretty good <laughs> like, that movie's really funny like this kind of feels like that i i and maybe that's going to be what people appreciate when they step away from it but i don't know like for me i i I had a cinema score again and I rated it a D, but I still put on, I would own the Blu-ray because I want to, first off, I want to hear the director's cut or the director's commentary, but also oh God, like, do I want to hear that? director's commentary? I really want to know what's going on, but, but also there's probably an extended cut. So I want to watch that too. But, but also like, I think the movies that got interesting ideas that I would love to see again and maybe be convinced are at least a little better than I feel now, but I don't know. I said a lot. Your turn. <laughs> oh, well, I just want to say, like, I actually saw the movie knowing a lot of the reactions already because I didn't get to see it till um, 
the Sunday of the weekend that came out. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going in like, oh boy, can't wait to see Michael and Lori Strode like <laughs> have you know have a throwdown. Which was the least exciting thing to me, honestly. I, yeah, I don't want to see two like they're two geriatrics fighting. I don't like Yeah, like, they're too old. It just don't see the appeal of that. So like I was going in kind of expecting like, all right, everyone says this movie's super weird. And I specifically had heard that Michael Myers is not in it as much as you'd want. So I actually was expecting those two things. Um and I think so, like, what's disappointing is I was, like, kind of on board with, like, all right, what bizarre decisions do they make? Um, like, I'm, I'm going to go in as much of an open vessel as I can for this. And I think just, I think they, I think if the execution of a lot of these very daring decisions was stronger, like, they initially tried to make you sympathetic for the guy who admittedly accidentally killed a kid. Like, it's very tragic and sad. That's a tough character to make your central character. But they so quickly move past that into making him kind of seem unstable and weird that, like, I didn't get a sense. Like, have you seen Psycho 2? No, no, not yet. Psycho 2. I'm really excited to. It's, I really like that movie where it's, you know, it's Norman Bates genuinely trying to live like a normal life after the events of Psycho. And you feel genuinely very bad for his character. And I think if the movie has spent more time making Corey sympathetic and not just like, the weird kid in the back of a high school classroom who brings lighters to class every day. Like, I think that would have made me like more like, he just seems like, like an edgelord weirdo. And I, so I like, I just didn't sympathize with him. So like when he becomes evil, I just like, well, that makes sense. Like, it's like, why did we wait so long to get you to start being evil? Cause like we have our opening yeah. kill, which isn't like, it's kind of a subversive opening kill. Cause it's yeah. not the Michael kill. And then it's like 40 minutes to the next uh suspenseful kill scene yeah and it takes out with so these long time for 40 minutes it's, yeah it's very strange if, if you felt like michael myers was a malevolent force that was almost like seducing him into evil i think that would have made all this work better for me where you feel bad when the relationship with this girl doesn't pan out where you feel bad when he starts killing or something or, or maybe he's killing only when like there's bad stuff happening in the relationship because it's like his tension release and yeah. he's like i'm gonna go murder somebody now <laughs> Hey, or, you were late or, to or, dinner. What's up with that? Oh, sorry, I got held up. <laughs> and he's like holding someone, like <laughs> like holding their down, hands like, that he cut off. Um, uh, yeah, or like or like with uh, that kill with the homeless man who just says, "I'm Michael Myers," like which is a very weird scene um, yeah. where he kills in situations where it's like not a hundred percent his fault. Like if he killed those like bullies while they were bullying him, and he felt like, but it was a sign that he was, and it mounted, like, oh, and cool. and the yeah. one girl who is sympathetic once them all to stop he still kills anyway then you're knowing okay he's he's on There's the edge shift. because yeah. he didn't like he didn't let that person go or gosh darn it make it about laurie strode and everyone in town hates her <laughs> like pick something pick a thing to focus on actually like that would have been really interesting they start treating laurie like they treat the patient in the last movie yeah they start chasing her around and she has to hide and um but that would i don't know this, this movie could have gone in all kinds of ways, Dan. <laughs> because and, all of these seeds are here. They yeah. take them time. They take the time to set up all of these things in the movie, and they stuck with Corey. Like Corey was Corey was the horse they bet on. Did you know Cinematic Doctrine has a blog? Visit cinematicdoctrine.com to read extended thoughts on movies or movie industry news from our contributors. Plus, you can find our podcast on there too. Based on reactions, like I'm seeing some people are like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Like, no, Halloween Ends is not the worst. It's not even the worst Halloween movie I've ever seen. Um, it's it's just, it stands out because it's such an interesting misfire. Like, 
which again, you got to get points for like, we have talked about this movie for over an hour. Um, and it, because like the ways in which it, it, things go wrong and the mistakes it makes are far more like engaging than, you know, if you, if they made like a smile too, and it was just the same movie again and, you know, everyone's smiling and whatever, like it, it, it definitely gives you more chew on than a lot of the Halloween sequels, a lot of other, like, you know, Puppet Master 4 or whatever. Like, there's more here <laughs> than those, which Puppet Master is also on Peacock. So, uh, overall, uh, it's weird. Like, I don't, I didn't like the movie. Parts of it are extremely funny. Like, there are parts of the movie where I was out loud, like, cackling uh, because it was so strange and some of the decisions are so bad. But at the same time, like, I, I would struggle saying it's not worth seeing. Like, if you're a Halloween fan, you'll a, see it. Yes. Yeah, see it. But also, it. it's, it's better than every Halloween movie <laughs> before um, <laughs> Halloween one and two. The OGs I think are definitely solid and there's things about Halloween four that are amusing. Halloween three is like the black sheep slash cult favorite. Like I saw some people saying that they actually would have liked if they incorporated Halloween three into this, like if in the last like 20 minutes, like the, the shamrock jingle played and a bunch of people just died all of a sudden. It cleverly did um, because the color font, is from three and then the film itself is pretty subversive so like yeah it um in a way it kind of is that um but yeah it's um i yeah i i am struggling with it too in the sense that like i don't i don't hate the movie i think it's interesting i don't think it's good i specifically said i think it's bonkers bad <laughs> yes but bonkers is like good like to me that means it's kind of funny like it, it really is like it's i talked about werewolf uh, at midnight, at at night, kind of being ex- ex- strangely excessive um, in a way that's just weird. You have to support on Patreon to kind of hear what I mean specifically. Three dollars a month, see my attachment Patreon. Uh, check it out. But um, this is like funny excessive, like it's super over the top. But then also like it's not. Like I said, there's like s- kills that are like cut back compared to Halloween kills, which is like pretty rough um, and good, but like rough. Um, like you get a head crushing scene. Um, you get like a tube in the neck that, that movie is wild. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's weird movie. I I think I'll probably rewatch it and enjoy it a little more because I'll be on board with what it's doing. But I think it's frustrating that it's mostly just vignettes of ideas. Like it really is a movie that's just sort of like, here's an idea. I'm bored. Here's another idea. I'm bored. Here's another idea. I'm bored again. And it just keeps going. And then it goes, oh, right. We have to do Laurie and Michael fight. Uh, he kills himself. Uh, and like, even like Allison coming home to see that is so like incidental. Like it seems Catherine was like, I think he was trying to do all his kills and then meet with Allison, but he got held up. And so like, that's why that happens. Like it, it but it's so accidental. Like, it's just weird. And so like, I don't know. It's a weird movie. And I do suspect like maybe an extended cut, answer stuff and unlike jurassic world having an extended cut which is just criminal uh this one i'm i'm really interested to know because i almost want to just know what ideas they chose to cut versus what they kept in um and i just like the aesthetic i i think i i don't know what it is about dgg's work here but i just kind of enjoy it so i think he's a good director like I, I like this direction. Yeah, yeah. I just think the script sucks. I think it's just super bad. Like this dialogue is some of the most like it is like the margins you put into the script to tell you what the movie's about 
or what's going on in characters' minds, except put into the sections where it's dialogue. It's really weird. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think yeah, if you're a Halloween fan, you'll have you'll you'll kind of enjoy it. If you're a movie fan, I think you'll enjoy it because it's weird. Like that alone makes it interesting to dissect. Um, but it is an hour and 55 for Dan. That was a slog for me. It was extremely fast. I didn't really know the climax was the climax because I just felt like the movie just, it doesn't, it's paced extremely <laughs> fast, but it doesn't have any buildup. Like, I don't know where the movie's going. So I don't really know. Like the trailers tell you there's a big ending. The movie doesn't tell you that at all. Like, I really seemed like the ending was supposed to be like Allison and Lori versus Michael and Corey. But like, then it doesn't that that's another idea actually but it just doesn't go there so i it's yeah <laughs> i don't know but watch it with friends definitely if your friends can stomach violence because this like this, this violence is crazy but definitely watch it with yeah, friends because it's probably a fun one to laugh at i don't want people to make i don't want to sound like i'm recommending the movie <laughs> i just i think if it sounds interesting based on what we've said i think it's worth checking out but for me like the the funniness of it kind of wears off after a while. Um, Mine, it was like amplified. It got funny. It just getting funnier. For I can see both. Like I can see both experiences because it just keeps making stranger and stranger decisions. <laughs> um, I, I, for me, someone who kind of is a fan of the Michael Myers character, I actually that's when it's kind of just got a little frustrating near the end. Yeah, um, he's barely there. I, I. The only my, I just want to push back on the idea that this is like the worst movie ever. Or it's the worst it's whatever. Not, I think no, people are just very taken aback by how strange that is. I do think that it'll have some sort of reevaluation in the future among nerds. But it's if you have Peacock already, put it on. And if you just if it just doesn't do it for you, then feel free to turn it off. But it's also it's I mean it. We just keep talking about it, which I think means something. But it's it's bad. But it's also like inspiring (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have a new sermon series and you're gonna start with like how this movie inspired you to do some new some new things with your with your bible reading i don't know uh it's so inspired (laughs) uh that's awesome uh, I got. I don't know. I guess we'll go into recommendations. What else we got? I mean, that's, that's kind of it. This doesn't. This didn't like. This didn't cause the debate that Halloween Kills produced, and also that movie is much like. That's more obviously funny. <laughs> I think like Halloween ends is more experientially funny. Like it's, it's funny to talk about like, like, like a sitcom that makes you chuckle, but funnier to talk about this. That's kind of this one, but like, it's, uh, it's more of like, you just got to watch it to kind of get it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Big disappointment in the year. I, I thought it was gonna be better. I thought it was gonna be something else. So, Hey, f- fool me once, I guess, but Hey, don't forget, there's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. Yeah, um, recommendations. What do you, what do you have, Dan? What's, what's your, uh, what's your record? Ah, so my, um, uh, kind of theological slash whatever recommendation is going to be a book. Um, people have probably, some people probably already read this book. You can get relatively cheap. Uh, but my pastor and I did a series on the Sabbath recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sabbath can be a very, um, controversial topic. I think if you want to get a good 
biblical overview of the topic. Um, Lee Guineer has put out a bunch of great resources on it um, from people like, you know, R.C. Sproul, uh, Derek Thomas. So if you just want to get the theological uh, grounding of the Sabbath, I think go that way. Um, and then depending on how you feel about the topic, you can go from there. I know there's some strict Sabbatarians out there. I know there's people that don't honor the Sabbath at all, whatever. Uh, but I think a very practical um, look at the concept of like work-life balance. So like stepping aside from the Sabbath as a as a theological topic and more just in a daily concept of just how we look at busyness and hurry. Um, I didn't preach on this. I stuck with like Doug Stewart's Exodus commentary and stuff like that for mine. Uh, but it's something that was supplemental and helped me kind of think about like just the daily concept of how we um, balance um, work and rest. And like, cause I think as a culture and, and this is something universal across most cultures, like we tend to value hard work really heavily. We look at like workaholism is tends to be one of those things we don't even look at as negatively. Like we really tend to praise people who work a ton of hours a week or never take a day off. But I don't think that's biblical. Um, so a book that I think really helps with kind of looking at that, it's called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Um, and it has a long sub uh, how to stay emotionally healthy, spiritually alive in the cast of the modern world. It's written by John Mark, uh, uh, Comer. Uh, it is, it's just a really great practical look at like the way in which we process, um, busyness, the way we process like working and like the healthy healthiness of it as well as that he is a Christian. So he like, he incorporates a lot of that in his writing. Um, so there's a lot of great little tidbits in there. Like for example, he points out that the life expectancy for Seventh-day Adventists is 10 years longer than most people. Oof, and I'm not wow. advocating for Seventh-day Adventism, but I'm just saying like they take the Sabbath very seriously. And so they actually like did the numbers and their life is extended almost exactly by the number of Sabbaths that they take throughout their life. And so just like interesting things like that and like how they, they look at how people tend to actually be more productive in a big picture sense when they when they take more breaks. Yes. First, people keep trying and trying and trying. Yes, yes, yes. I tend to stay away from what I consider Christian self-help books as I tend to think they take like pop psychology and just slap Bible verses on them. Uh, this one I will take an exception, like I will make an exception for. I think it's a because, partially because it's such a topic that there isn't a lot of writing on in general, I feel like, at least in Christian circles, um, as it's the as the sabbath in general and how you view rest um tends to not be talked about because this isn't just self-care mumbo jumbo um this is actual like practical like structure of your life um a biblical look at how we look at rest and um how we how you can do that and sort of like also an easy like way in your life because i think also we tend to look at making changes as these big overarching things like the, the typical example is the person who decides to diet. And so he, te- like, he wakes up one morning and decides he's not going to eat any carbs anymore or something, which just isn't useful. Like that just doesn't happen yes. um, versus like slowly taking things out of your diet, slowly making the shift. And I think this book uh, applies the same uh, uh, pace to uh, eliminating like hurriness and just like the jitteriness, the worry and all of that that we face in our lives. So that is my more biblical recommendation. I am going to continue doing my kind of movie recommendations I guess I've been doing lately on the podcast. I'm going to recommend a movie that without credits is 78 minutes long. It is so economically paced, um, very good, called Significant Other on Paramount+. Plus. It's from Dan Burke and Robert Olson, both directed and written by them. They did Villains from a couple years ago. Um, uh, Stars Micah Monroe and Jake Lacey. Micah Monroe is sort of like the 
I think like the quintessential modern Scream Queen, she actually has like two <laughs> movies this year, this one and Watcher. Watcher was very good, by the way. Um, and then uh, Jake Lacey is from uh, the last season of The Office, and he actually gets to do some comedy stuff here. And I, I, I almost feel ashamed that I said that just because uh, it, it's a light tonal spoiler of what happens in the movie, but it is very, very good. Uh, again, well-paced. It just, it's so... Like, I, I was talking about like editing being a good thing here in Halloween Ends, but that's almost because like the editor is like <laughs> compensating for the, for the for the rest that went wrong in post and and production, uh, in pre end production. This one is almost like from the beginning. It, it seems like it was really refined and trimmed down to what just is important, and then also is just it doesn't overstay its welcome at all. I'm I don't really want to like explain much from it because it's just a surprise. Uh, but basically, just t- this couple goes out to uh do a hiking trip and they're romantically involved and they have an interesting relationship very good dialogue between the two very natural uh and it's a horror thriller it's very neutral if you watch the ritual it kind of looks a lot like that um although it's not like copying that at all although significant other definitely has has its influences um, which even to mention them uh, kind of spoils a bit of the film. It is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I actually do recommend getting that month or the trial just to watch it. I think it's I think it's good. It's 74 minutes and it being a good, 78 minutes, it being a good movie makes it well worth your time. And uh, I don't know, support your local scream queens. Micah Monroe's great. So she, uh, <laughs> she's really good. Your local scream queens? Yeah. Um, Who's a scream queen in your town? Micah Monroe. Um, yeah, this this is good stuff. Definitely check it out. And then since you have Paramount Plus already, you might as well watch Invader Zim, which, by the way, still c- includes all the hidden bloody gurs. Uh, Paramount did not take them out, so that's. Fun. I also watch all of Star Trek, which is on Paramount Plus. That's right. Yeah, they got some good stuff on there. So uh, I had another recommendation. Um, I was going to recommend a Deuteronomy. Uh, not the Book of Deuteronomy. I mean, you should read the Book of Deuteronomy. You mean like from Cats? Or- <laughs> no. Uh, gosh, no. As part of uh, preparing for the, you get a double dose of Bible recommendations, uh, and this one's more expensive. Um, as part of uh, preparing and doing talking about the Sabbath, one of the commentaries that I read is from Peter C. Craigie. Uh, it is the Book of Deuteronomy from the International Commentary in the Old Testament series, uh, the notoriously expensive commentary set. Um, however, it is relatively inexpensive. Um, uh, online, you can find about thirty something dollars, which isn't too bad. Um, it is just, it is extremely scholarly, well detailed. They do the Nycott series does great with language, does great with historical context. They do a good job presenting all sides of different viewpoints. Uh, for example, we'll talk about the authorship of certain books, like the Book of Isaiah, which I used uh, both Volume One and Volume Two of their Isaiah commentary. They do good, give a good, even handed. Uh, look at all the authorship options that are there um, while still um, leaning towards conservative conservative scholarship, uh, which I definitely prefer. Um, they go really in depth as far as like um, the common, the commentary that provides self. Anyone who has a Nikon volume will tell you that it's usually like four or five times the size of the book they're commenting on because uh, of all the notes and details. It can be a bit dense and it can use a bit of technical language so people tend to recommend that you first look at it easier, like go with the expositor set, go with a more uh, app, uh, personal application type commentary, then move towards a Nikot type volume. Uh, but the Book of Deuteronomy is, I think, one of the best 
on the book that is out there. I consulted multiple sources in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is the one that I ended up just using almost exclusively. So I know people's Old Testament commentary uh, libraries tend to be smaller than their New Testament libraries, partially because it's just easier to do the scholarship research for New Testament commentaries. They also tend to be the more popular books. So there's like, I think I have like multiple shelves that are just the book of John or book of Matthew. So if you're specifically trying to fill out your Old Testament commentary library, um, this is a good Deuteronomy book to get. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.